This week, Davide Valsecchi on Ferrari, Giovinazzi, Magello, Imola and Nick Schumacher. And we rapidly review the first half of the season from every team's perspective. From my kitchen table in Tom's hotel room, this is F1 Nation, and we begin with a montage. And Formula One is underway for the first time in Magello with a poor getaway from Lewis Hamilton off the line. Verstappen's got a problem. Drama on the opening lap, multiple cars off the road, including Max Verstappen in the middle of it. We go racing once again. Oh, there's a big crash in the background there. That's massive. That is massive. Stupid. They want to kill us or what? Red flag has been deployed. Here we go again. Hamilton trying to sweep around the outside and take the lead of the Grand Prix. Bottas will be furious. Oh, Lonstro's gone off the road and into the wall. I got a puncture. For Alexander Albon's up to third place. Nothing Ricardo could do. Bottas knows that the game is up. Lewis Hamilton comes across the line on a chaotic day to win the Tuscan Grand Prix. Damn, guys, that was tough. Win number 90 for Lewis Hamilton, one away from Michael Schumacher's all-time record. Have you got your breath back yet? Sunday's race was frantic, chaotic, unpredictable and highly entertaining and we loved it as much as we loved Mugello. Let's talk Formula One on the nation with me TC and me Alex Jakes. Well, AJ, I am still in beautiful Florence. Where are you? Are you still at Biggin? I am not at F1 headquarters. I am back at the kitchen table. It's not a joke. We're not saying it for effect at the start. It's weird. In the inside of the flat, I'd forgotten what this looked like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alex, my view across Florence is beautiful this morning. And I'm just reflecting on what I think might have been the best week of my Formula One career. Wow, big claim. A big claim, AJ. And well, in fact, to be fair to me, I've been saying for months that back-to-back races, Monza Mugello in September, I've been so excited about it. And it really lived up to expectation. It started on Tuesday last week with the most fantastic drive down through Italy, past Bologna, straight on to Florence. And then on Wednesday, I turned up at the track. I'd actually been to Mugello before, back in 2006. And it's so reassuring to arrive at the track and find it exactly as you left it 15 years ago. How strange. And very unusual, isn't it, in modern motorsport for that to be the case? Yes. And still gravel traps everywhere. The buildings are the same. The weather was beautiful. And just from that moment on, I've had an absolute ball watching the cars, seeing the enthusiasm from the crowd. Let's not forget we had 2,000 people back watching live. The only downer I've had, AJ. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Is Thursday last week, I was driving into the track and I got a telephone call from the COVID delegate at the FIA who said that someone in my subgroup and I'm in a subgroup of three people right had an inconclusive covid test oh, and as a result no. I had to isolate so I had to when I arrived at the track I had to go straight into an office and I wasn't allowed out not even for a pee so as a result the office I'm... of shame as <laughs> it was known yes 
And as a result, I missed uh, the press conference. I missed an entire day just sat staring at some white walls, waiting for this guy who'd had this inconclusive test to be tested again. I was just left waiting for this uh, this guy. I'm not going to name him, but uh, <laughs> to get his second test. And had he come back positive, I'd been told that even if I was negative and my test had come back negative, I was going to have to isolate for two weeks here in Tuscany, which... Um, that would have you been know. a difficult phone call to sell, though, <laughs> wouldn't it, TC? Let's be honest. Oh, he- hello, darling. Yeah, no, basically, I have to stay in Tuscany for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Could you have made that phone call for me if I'd needed to, AJ? Yeah, but anyway, I- I- was... I'm-, I'm available for all difficult phone call needs. Actually, that's a great idea for a business, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. I phone up and say, bad luck. Brad is breaking up with you. <laughs> anyway, all's well that ends well, but uh, we didn't get the news back until... Thursday evening, but it was a fascinating insight into how effective the COVID tests are, how effective the subgroups are, because because I wasn't allowed out of the room I was in, I couldn't infect anyone if it turned out that I had become positive because I'd spent more than 15 minutes within two meters of this guy over the previous 48 hours. And it was just immediate lockdown. Let's get on top of this. And as it happened, the guy came back with a negative test and all's good. It's good to see yeah. the Formula One's taking it really, really seriously still because at the start of the year, it would have been understandable for maybe people to go, all right, well, we're making this work. We're, we're getting through it and things to get lax. It's, it's great to have a, a, an example there of the measures that are still in place and still keeping us on the road, still keeping this yeah. championship going. And throw it forward to Russia next week. And I've already been told that there are going to be no meals in the hotel. We're being fed at the track three meals and we're not allowed out of the hotel. The rest of my trip to Tuscany has been outrageously brilliant and nothing better than seeing 2020 Formula One cars going around that 5.2 kilometer track. Just stunning. Every single corner, just stunning. It was one of those, even if it was a procession and it was far from a procession, it was going to be great to see Formula One cars on the limit when the gravel was so close around that circuit. And we saw people caught out by that. I love the fact that we've just had a weekend where the gravel was the limit of the track. And that was terrific to see. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because Mugello is a bike track. And it's gravel everywhere. You look at somewhere like Silverstone, which has had to change all of its runoff areas to accommodate the bikes and they put it predominantly to tarmac runoff and so i think there's a lesson here that hang on gravel works it works for bikes and it works for cars and um, all of the drivers love the fact that the gravel defined the track limit and you saw as a result in the race jeopardy everywhere so aj that's enough of my covid dramas and all that what was your highlight from Magello? A driver who I thought had a terrific all-round weekend was Kimi Raikkonen, who had this fantastic story of having made his testing debut at Mugello 20 years ago, the test that convinced Peter Sauber to elevate him to Formula One when he came out of Formula Renault back in 2001. And that was the test around Mugello that convinced Peter Sauber to take an unbelievable risk, really. We've never seen, even Max Verstappen was elevated from Formula 3. We've never seen anyone jump from that tier of motor racing to the top tier. And with his first points of the year and more radio gold. If Kimi asks you a question, he wants an answer. Okay, Kimi, we have now a five-second time penalty that we will serve after the race. For what? 
So that will add five seconds to your time after right. for crossing the line on pit entry. Can you imagine of... if that was an office TC and a 40-year-old <laughs> <laughs> shouted like that to you in an office? It is a different beast, Formula One, isn't it? Oh, Kimmy's a different beast, isn't he? And I'm reminded of, do you remember in Baku uh, a couple of years ago when he wanted at a restart, finally, here we are talking about restarts, he wanted the mechanics to give him his gloves, I think it was, as he was being pushed down the pit lane. And they were a little bit slow in giving him his gloves. Give me my gloves! <laughs> do you remember? The man who at the end of Drive to Survive, cool as you like, said, oh, it's just a hobby for me. Yeah, right. Is it a hobby? That man still takes Formula One incredibly seriously. And I thought it was an interesting drive because Kimmy could have easily gone, I've had my time in Formula One. I'm done. I've had a great career. I'm fine with it all being over. This car isn't competitive. I'm going to be on the back row of the grid. He's still fighting. I think he genuinely has an interest in in staying in Formula One beyond this year at the moment. I think he loves driving Formula One cars. And if you love driving Formula One cars, there's probably nowhere on the calendar that you're going to enjoy yourself more than at Mugello, a proper old school track, slowest corner on the lap, fourth gear. So I think it was made for Kimi. He knew the track well, obviously, flying. And I thought it was interesting that this weekend, Fred Vasseur, the boss at Alfa Romeo, said that the decision is Kimi's about whether he stays. That is really interesting. It's advert time now with Manscaped.com. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team, which I believe is now up to about 5,000 employees, now claim that they have successfully created the greatest trimmer for down there. This new trimmer, according to the advert script, was just released only moments ago in the UK. Sure, we did an advert for Manscaped weeks ago. Ignore that for the time being, the lawnmower 3.0 Manscaped trimmer is now available for purchase. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. An hour and a half, a Grand Prix distance of shaving. What could possibly... Anyway, also in this list of things that I meant to read out, the LED light which illuminates grooming areas, the 7,000 RPM motor, terrific, and the script actually says, let's not forget about the charging stand. Unreal. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code F1Nation at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code F1Nation. Manscaped. Well, thank you. So if Kimi wants to stay, the drive is there. And AJ, a man you've been following very closely this year, Mick Schumacher, he's extended his lead in the F2 championship. And can you imagine a Schumacher and Raikkonen pairing <laughs> at Alfa Romeo next year? That's quite tasty, isn't it? Mick Schumacher's had the biggest week of his motor racing career because he was a long way back in the championship. He's had a, such a big week, both at Monza and now Mugello, where he now leads the points having been miles back even a few weeks ago. He's had that first win of the year. He's looking good for the title, but a word of warning. If you've not been following Formula 2, it's wide open. It could be one of six drivers, but Mick has a clearly defined route. And how good was he seeing him with his father's helmet design in that F2004 and the V10 engine around Mugello? In the pit lane, 
every single team ran to the pit wall when they heard that thing fire up. And he did five laps. And as it screamed past us uh, on the start-finish straight, everybody was smiling. And I'm afraid I don't care. Yes, the technology of the turbo hybrids is fabulous, but nothing beats the noise of a V10. It was absolutely stunning. Ricocheting off the hills, off the grandstands. I mean, I don't think the lap time was any faster than what Mick was doing in his Formula 2 car, but it sounded, AJ, so much faster because of that thing, that screaming V10 going up to, I was going to say 20,000. I don't think it was back in 2004, but certainly in the high teens, even back then, it was, it was a really poignant moment. You know, this was always a dream uh, for me to drive this car. I have driven it in Hockenheim last year and uh, to drive it here in Mugello with proper conditions, no rainy conditions or whatever. It's been an absolute honour. Alex, I don't really know me. Mm. What impresses you about when I hear him talk? I saw Mark Webber interview him when he got out of the car. His mannerisms are quite similar to his father's. Um, Yeah. Is the way he goes about the job similar in any way? Uh, it really is. The mannerisms, you're right. The mannerisms, the first time you have a long conversation with Mick Schumacher, you are struck by how similar he holds himself to his father. The, you know, if you ask him a difficult question, the, the chin comes out like we used to get <laughs> with Michael. And you know what I think he's really taken advantage of this year? He is a driver with so much surname pressure. He's the driver who was under so much scrutiny. He turned up in his first Formula 2 race last year. I've never seen so many journalists in the Formula 2 paddock surrounding him. Normally, there's no set time to go and interview a driver in Formula 2. You knock on the garage and you catch up with them. It's, it's old school in that regard. This year, because of the year that we're in and because of the bubbles, he's basically been left alone. He's still got lots of media commitments, but he's been able to keep that madness, that scrutiny at arm's length in a way he wasn't able to do last year. And I think that that is one of the reasons that he's been able to perform this year. One thing to tell you about Mick Schumacher, he just lives for the racing. When I interviewed him last year at length, the answer he struggled with is what he did away from the track. He's in the gym. He's thinking about the next race. There's an intensity and he is hell-bent on reaching Formula One and continuing the Schumacher legacy. He sounds very like the old man. I mean, famously, Michael, his way of relaxing after a Grand Prix weekend was to go straight to the gym. The rest of the Formula One paddock relaxes with a beer. No, no, Michael Schumacher was straight back in the gym on the Sunday evening of a race very often. And uh, Mick sounds like a bit of a chip off the old block like that. Tom Clarkson's just told me that lap 40 was the halfway stage of this year's World Championship. So it's time for the halfway F1 Nation report on the entire grid. So, Tom, start us off. We're going to do snap verdicts for every driver, for every team. So, TC, we start with Lewis Hamilton. Six wins, more complete than he's ever been, and he's going to be the most winningest driver in Formula One history very soon. Not bad at all. Valtteri Bottas just lacking the consistency he needs. He's getting very close in qualifying, but the race pace, I think, will be frustrating the Finn. Feel sorry for Esteban Gutierrez as well. Their reserve driver, big moment for Racing Point at Silverstone, but he couldn't get a super license. Red Bull Racing, 
Max Verstappen's driving the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, one of his very best in Formula One. And the longer the season goes on and we see that Mercedes work at every single track, you realize how fantastic that performance was. But is he growing in frustration after two DNFs in a row? And a team that has started slowly once again. Christian Horner told us at pre-season testing that they changed their ways, they changed the way they were doing things inside the team, but the result has been the same. And he even said this weekend in Mugello that Mercedes' advantage over the field is as big as it's ever been. It's like Alex Alvin knew this report was coming. A few struggles this year, but a maiden podium. So he has turned a corner and hopefully he can repeat that as the season progresses. On to McLaren. Carlos Sainz, completely brilliant this year. Loved his second place at Monza. But you slightly feel the boy is having a rough time of it from a luck point of view because he's had a lot of DNFs this year. And I think I'm sensing that he's quite pleased he's leaving, even going to Ferrari, a less competitive team. Want to know how confident Lando Norris is? Started that year with that brilliant podium. This is him being told he'd been eliminated from qualifying. I'm sorry we finished P11, mate. That is a very comfortable driver indeed. Not many people would have responded. No worries. And Racing Point. Locked in a really intriguing battle with McLaren for third in the Constructors' Championship. They've had a nice quiet year, haven't they, Tom? My (laughs) word. They'll be hoping the second half of the season is slightly less dramatic than the first. A great podium, although... Perhaps. I think they might be slightly disappointed. It's only one podium, given that car's potential. Lance Stroll getting it, and he was impressive there. It could have been a win, though, back in Monza. Sergio Perez has scored points in every single race he's taken part in. He will be regretting the two he had to miss. And let's not forget the incredible Hulk putting it on the second row of the grid at Silverstone with zero notice. We move on now to Renault. It started badly for them when they got news before we'd even turned a wheel in anger that Daniel Ricciardo was leaving at the end of the year. But from a performance point of view, they have taken a step forward this year. The engines made a step. The chassis made a step. Ricciardo is on form. The guy with a question mark over his head at the minute is Esteban Ocon. He's been beaten in qualifying 7-1 by Ricciardo and he needs to step that up. Beaten in all of the dry sessions that we've had this year does not read well for Esteban Ocon. He said himself he'd only give himself a 6 out of 10 for his return to a Formula 1 cockpit. Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri, we could do a long chat about how their season is going, but let's be honest, the only thing we're going to remember when 2020 is all said and done is that Pierre Gasly won the Italian Grand Prix. And Danny Fiat doing his best impression of Alexander Albon and scoring his best result just before the halfway mark. Alfa Romeo, Tom. There's only one word that springs to mind when I think of Alfa Romeo, and that is Ferrari. Of course, they've got the Ferrari power unit, and they're suffering as a result. Kimi Raikkonen doing what he does best, banging in the results, Mr. Consistent. Antonio Giovinazzi, he's had a few too many crashes for my liking. And Haas. Their best moment of the season by far is one where they got a penalty for calling their drivers in, making that inspired tyre change, and it gave them their only points of the year via Kevin Magnussen. Kev, of course, has had more retirements than anyone else this year. Five. And Roman Grosjean, along with his teammate, fighting to keep that seat for next season with Perez now on the market. And on to Williams. When all is said and done... 
2020 is all about the change of ownership at this team. Monza being the last race that Claire Williams was in charge. Dorilton Capital turned up at Mugello. Uh, all singing, all dancing, very ambitious. And on cue, George Russell put in his most competitive race of the year. Looked like he was going to get ninth place until that last red flag and he was slow off the line. Nicholas Latifi, solid debut. I think he's proved a few of the doubters wrong along the way. Now, one name that you didn't hear there was Ferrari. We have not forgotten them. The team's form collapsing has been one of the headlines of the season so far, but we wanted to get a more in-depth view of what Italy makes of it all. So, it's time to welcome your friend and mine, Sky Pundit, Davide Valsecchi. Ciao, Alex. I'm very well. And I'm happy to speak with you again. Uh, and very well, a bit disappointed about the results of Ferrari because, you know, in Italy, everyone is pushing Ferrari, 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 Ferrari. But no, the only one that is winning at the moment is Alfa Tauri. That is Italian. And so <laughs> that's Italian. But uh, Ferrari ah, is not maintaining the level at the moment. I'm a bit disappointed about it. You mentioned Ferrari. Let's talk about Ferrari. We've been reviewing everyone's first half of the season how would you sum up their 2020 so far i mean for them it's a disaster eh? because uh, if you consider that you have one driver that is four-time world champions that at the moment uh, is not delivering at all the other one that is is one of the biggest and greatest talent of the last 20 years in formula one and uh, you know Sometimes it's magical and uh, most of the time it's just normal because the car is too slow. I mean, it's very disappointing. So at the moment, Ferrari is a disaster because the, the car is not quick enough. Plus, they have mechanical issue often. So nothing is in the right place at the moment. Give us an idea of how things are being viewed in Italy. Have the public wrapped their head around it? Have they accepted it or are they very very unhappy with how things are going I, I don't know because the formula one team also is confused us a bit no because at the beginning they were a bit slow but at the beginning of the season leclerc could uh, he took some good result with two podiums and so the situation was not so bad uh, when when you were checking the standings no and leclerc was there ferrari was was average third on the fourth place in the in the construction building and so, and so it, it was not so disappointed. But then they were saying, "Ah, now with no party mode, uh, we are going to to be closer to the top." And it didn't happen. But now, after the after this type of circuit, because you had Spa, uh, the engine is very important. Then we had Monza, where the speed is extremely important. The Ferrari was not delivering at all. It was was very was crap there. Ferrari was saying, oh, no, now we go to Mugello, we are very confident. And then you arrive to Mugello and the only good things that you do into the racing weekend is the, is the lap for the, for the qualification lap of uh, Leclerc, that he had yeah. uh, the fifth place in that lap. And then the rest was horrible, a part of the start where Leclerc uh, took uh, two positions and, um, and he was third just after the first lap. And then was a disaster. You saw the race, no? They were too slow in the straight. The degradation of the tire was higher. Leclerc, uh, at the beginning, he defended a bit the, the position. And then he realized there's no way to race like <laughs> this. No until the yeah. end to it was extremely important for the driver, from my point of view, to avoid mistakes. Because Leclerc is young, like Verstappen, you know? 
Sometimes you have magical race, magical race, and then you make the mistake. And so Leclerc was coming from uh, the mistake that he had in Monster, where he crashed the car in, in the race. And so it was extremely important for me to, to stay calm at the, at the end. He could stay calm all race long, but he ended up eighth and is not the result that everyone was hoping. So not an happy time at the moment. Did you remember in the race, the last few laps, you had uh, Raikkonen, that was fantastic and amazing this weekend. Yeah, had a great the, weekend. The last three or four weekends is top level. That he got, he got the penalty, a bit, a bit on the limit, eh, the penalty, but okay. Five second penalty. He was able to open the gap to Vettel in the last 10 laps and gain five positions, five seconds to Vettel and maintain the ninth position. So, you know, they were also slower than, uh, than, uh, than Alfa Romeo, than with the same engine. So, very disappointing, no? It is a difficult situation for that team. For the driver that they are keeping from this year to next, Charles Leclerc, what can you do as a driver in a season like this? Can he push the team maybe on the strategic side? Can you get maybe closer with your engineers? What what can he take from these uncompetitive races? Yeah, you need to try to, to push the team to do something something more and to do better and to deliver better and to have a car that is quicker. But it's not easy, you know, because he's young and we need to remember it. He's extremely young. He's very good, but he's not so experienced in Formula One. And so sometimes when you are so young, you know, you try to push more on the driving side and then you can you can have some, some big mistake. So if we can, if we, if we check together this is a season, it was magical in... Uh, Austria, it was magical in uh, Silverstone, it was magical here in Mugello, it was magical the first few laps in, in Spa. I mean, he had some fantastic moves and some fantastic races, but he was not fantastic um, in the second weekend in Austria when he had the crash in the first lap with Vettel, big mistake. Then he was not special in, um, in Hungary, where he was not in the point and much slower than, than Vettel. And then he had the big mistake in Monza. So, you know, some up and down is normal from a young driver. So it's extremely important for him to, say, to maintain the calm and to try to be able to accept the result. That is not easy, eh? because Verstappen also is in difficulty. Eh? Uh, he was fighting for the championship, uh, technical problem, technical issue also yesterday. I mean, this type of driver, they want to push, push, push and fight. And sometimes they risk to overdrive and to make mistakes. So... They need to maintain the calm and to accept the situation that is not easy to do. With Sebastian Vettel, how do you think his time is going to be remembered at Ferrari? You know, it's strange because a lot of a lot of people is still loving him, no? And so in Italy, in Italy, most of the fans they were disappointed about the choice at the beginning of the season to to announce uh, science that he also speaks a fantastic Italian. Eh? So he's just already he's that already helps. half half in. Yeah, yeah. That helps. They were very disappointed, but now I think that they realize that uh, you know the time uh, the time in Ferrari for Sebastian was 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 finished and. Uh, I don't know, he's not closing his adventure and his journey in Ferrari not very well at the moment because he's not delivering the result, he's not performing and every run in the car is much slower than Leclerc. It's not also easy to explain why he's so slow at the moment, okay? Lack of confidence, 
but every time six tenths is too much, no? From my point of view. What do you think about the the timing for the announcement of um, of his new contract with um, Aston yeah. Martin? Yeah, I think it was quite deliberate. Because Ferrari was celebrating his 1,000 GP in uh, in Mugello, his own track, and you know, and um, Vettel came with the, with the with the announcement of Aston Martin. Um, I don't know. Everything is a bit strange from this side. What is sure is that also the team is not helping him so much because it's at the end of this uh, period in Ferrari, so they are pushing a bit more uh, on Leclerc, and that is normal, I think. Going through another driver who you know well, Antonio Giovinazzi. Antonio under a bit of pressure right now from the Ferrari Academy drivers in Formula 2, including Robert Schwartzman, Callum Eilot, and the new championship leader, Mick Schumacher. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he's under a big pressure, eh, Giovinazzi. And, you know, he's not even so lucky because he's on... Um, at the beginning of the, of the season, he was on uh, his peak of performance. I mean, he was quicker than uh, Raikkonen in every, yeah. more or less every quali. He was delivering results. He was competitive, was on the race pace. I thought that uh, maybe Raikkonen was a bit too old and was uh, the end of his career. And so I said... Giovinazzi can, can take a big advantage from that. But then, I don't know how, but Raikkonen just wake up and, uh, I mean, he's delivering so well at the moment and uh, he's a fantastic driver. I think that in the last three weekends, for, no, four, from Barcelona, Spa, yeah. Mons and here, Raikkonen is like on the top five of the best driver in the grid at the moment because he was in front of Ferrari in Barcelona, in front of Ferrari in Spa, in front of both Ferrari in Monza, and he destroyed Ferrari this weekend. Also in Quali, he was there, but then in the race, he was, I don't know, he, was, he maintained the pace, he's aggressive and angry. Did you hear him eh, on the radio? Yeah. With his uh, engineer, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, let me drive! <laughs> Why? Why am the bad? I mean, it That's was perfect. Amazing. And so Giovinazzi against uh, this uh, level of Kimi Raikkonen, he cannot maintain. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't know, I think uh, he's struggling a lot for also, also because now is the time where they are going to speak uh, um, for the renewal of the contract and yeah. it's not in a fantastic situation. I think that uh, if Kimi Raikkonen decide to keep going with his career, it seems that the team Alfa Romeo is waiting for him. If Kimi Raikkonen say is going to say yes, I'm going to race off the, also next season, I think for Dovinazzi it will be the end because Schumacher is performing very well in Formula Two, and is uh, also showing a very good maturity. Yeah, he is. He's been so consistent. That's the thing. He's, and aggressive he... also. Yeah. Because you, I know that you are an expert about Formula Two, but did you saw the first restart of safety car, the first one? Aggressive he was. Yeah. It was like with a tanker, boom, boom, and he got like four position in a lab. I mean, was just he said, "How oh. looks like a bit the father eh? in in some part of that race." And then he clip he clipped his mind, and for the second restart, he just maintained the calm and wait for the first lap to avoid the incident. So I think he's smart and clever, and they can get in Formula One. Then you have Schwarzman, very talented. So the places in Formula One, there are not so many. They are. Two in Alfa Romeo, two in uh, Haas, and I think that Alfa Romeo one is uh, for Raikkonen, that you have to consider Perez, one of the strongest drivers in Formula One, and uh, it's not possible that he's going to be away. And so not many places, I think, for Giovinazzi will be hard. We will see how that one pans out. Just finally, Davide, 
We've had two amazing races in Italy this year. We've got a third one as well. Italy is uh, providing us with the best Grand Prix of 2020. I was very happy about Mugello eh? because, uh, you know, there was the story that uh, the overtake would be not easy, Mugello can be true, but uh, with the DRS that was working so hard in, in, uh, in Mugello, I, I think that we, we saw many, many overtakes and some good move, move from the drivers. So the race in the weekend was interesting and the hope will be there will be also future no? for Mugello and Formula 1 because the track is amazing. Maybe a bit dangerous uh, in Arabiata 1, Arabiata 2. Maybe the, the barrier there, they are a bit too close for the Formula 1 standard. But um, the straight is long and the DRS is working very hard because they are all heavy, heavy with the, with the rear wing. So when they open the DRS, it's working a lot and gives a lot of overtakes chances. So really very happy about it. We are going to check it out about Imola, one of the best in the world, but I don't know, the overtakes there would be not so easy because the straight is short and so we're going to check it out, but uh, very happy and I think that uh, Italy showed that uh, we have very good uh, trucks uh, and we are happy about it. Also in England, uh, we have also Donington that we are missing a bit in Formula 1. But. Donington, Brands Hatch, Imola, Mugello, Monza, sounds like, sounds like next year's calendar to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> agree agree with you <laughs> life is always better when you've heard from Davide Valsecchi great to speak to our Italian correspondent and he will be back with us on the nation at some point of the season I am sure Tom I think we need a regular slot every week with Davide Valsecchi I love him life lessons life lessons from <laughs> Davide that is indeed all we've got time for Remember to send in any comments or questions. We're finally, finally, finally going to read as many out as we can in next week's episode. Our thanks to Davide Valsecchi and, of course, to you for listening. If you could rate and review the podcast, we'd appreciate it. That's F1 Nation this week. We will speak to you next. Mm-hmm.